Hey, good morning, all. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast. It's uh, already December 14th. I always say it already. Every every date, Ani, I say already. It doesn't seem to matter. Uh, Volcama Good Podcast coming to you today. We're going to be talking about um, what's happening in Malaysia, how it references what's happening in the United States and um, uh, around Christian nationalism and the, the call of how Christians should engage with their government. And so this is a great little window that came out in an article that uh, we saw a few weeks ago. And I said, well, if you're going to talk about any of this, you have to talk with Ani Zonneveld from... Muslims for Progressive Values. Hi, Ani. Hi. Nice to see you again. Thank you. Now, Ani, we all we like starting with the weather. I'm in Minneapolis. I look up there out the window, and it's it's hazy and cloudy and cold and and raining and snowing at the same time. Uh, how are things <laughs> there in beautiful Southern California? Well, it is beautifully clear. However, it is cold. It's thirty degrees. <laughs> Seriously. Yes, it's cold. Yes, it's been snowing in, in the mountains. Uh, I think yeah. about four or five feet of snow that uh, they had last over the weekend, and there's going to be more snow this weekend. So, my yeah. goodness, well, I'm skiing you know, in California, folks. <laughs> <laughs> there have been so many times I have been in Southern California, not wherever when it's been thirty, but there's days where it's just downright chilly, and I'm like, yeah. those Beach Boys, they lied to me as a kid. I just right. can't, they can't quite get over it. <laughs> In my yeah. mind, it was always sunny in 72. Yeah. It's well, the songs Ani, and the uh, movies, yeah. <laughs> and all we do in Los Angeles is we lay around the pool. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's I have to tell you a story, okay? So yeah. um, there's a friend from the Middle East, and, and you know, I'm always working, right? And he says to me, Ani, you work all the time. Aren't you supposed to be sitting around in the pool, around the pool all day? And I'm yeah. like... Where'd you get that idea from? From the movies. <laughs> yes, nine hundred two one zero. No, totally. Right. Yeah, it's that's that's funny. the attitude, and you know, kind of that laid back. Like maybe you'll take a skateboard over to the co-op and pick up a juice, and then just come back to the pool, and you know, it's vacation. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things, though, honestly, about living in a place where other people vacation is that yeah. people get in their minds that like, oh, I've been to LA. It's it's really great. Everybody just kind of hangs out. <laughs> like, no, that's, they're hanging out with you because you're there on vacation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the time they're doing things. Well, Ani, remind people what you do at Muslims for Progressive Values, those who have yet to to know all the all, all the goodness. So Muslims for Progressive Values was founded in 2007 and uh, it is a human rights organization. We adv advocate for um, women, LGBT, rights as well as um, for the separation of religion and state, for the right to believe or not in the context of Islam. And so we work um, in, in that intersection of faith and human rights, and we use religious language to affirm human rights, and that's what makes us different. Uh, a lot of people don't know that this kind of work has to be done, um, that there's... Uh, Advo advocating that needs to happen at the governmental level in all countries um, in the relationship of religion to to the government it, uh, can, can you talk about about that a bit just what you know how important that is yeah no absolutely um, well the the problem with Muslim states Muslim majority countries is that they use religion 
to um, to justify their policies. They used religion to justify homophobic uh, laws, uh, um, laws against women, child forced marriages, and they, so they use Sharia law, right? Their interpretation of the Quran, and and that's the problem. And so we, as a Muslim organization, advocate. Um, the rights for LGBT, the rights for women, women's rights, etc. In you know, countering it using religion, and so that's what makes our work actually dangerous to them because mm -hmm. we use religion against their policies. And so, a lot of times, for a long time, um, Muslim majority countries have been getting away with uh, justifying their um, human rights abuses in the name of religion. They do so at the United Nations um, as well as within their country and and so when we come in we file reports against them at the United Nations undermining their justifications mm -hmm. it really um, pulls the rug from underneath them and mm -hmm. um, and that that is also um, makes our work dangerous to them because it shows the spotlight of their falsehood mm -hmm. right so I can get into the weeds with examples, but um, yeah. I have actually a, a sort of a notorious reputation with the Malaysian government. There was one time, um, and we can we I can talk about this now, or I can talk about it later. But um, you let me know. But I've yeah, yeah. Why don't you hang on, and we'll we'll use that. Uh, we'll yeah. talk about that yeah. when we get into into this article. What what I think is interesting for uh, for a lot of people to think about is they often hear about religious leaders in the United States and people in our government using Christianity to try to uh, warn people and demonize and um, uh, scare people about Muslims under the banner that if Muslim population grows in the United States, then they're going to take over our government and they're going to put in Sharia law in the United States. That's talked about in the right-wing uh, spaces mm. <laughs> rather frequently. Um, and a lot of people are, you know, especially in the religion circles, the worlds that I'm in, are having to say all the time, like, you should, don't, that's not what happens. But in some places, that is what happens, right? And I don't, I'm not saying it's going to happen in the United States, but that's the context. And curiously, then, in the United States, it's often the people who want Christianity to be the government's preferenced religion, who are threatened that they think that if you have too many Muslim voters, then you're going to have Islam be the preferred religion. So they're not saying these these critiques in the United States of of Muslim influence. They're not saying we don't want to have religion and our government be wedded together. They're saying we want it wedded together and we want it to be Christian and yeah. not and, and not Muslim uh, expressions yeah. of it. So yeah. it's it's really a I mean it's a complicated. Um, I don't yeah. know, it's a complicated set of circumstances, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I think, it, well, in the context of the United States, it's easy to use um, religion. And we've seen that, um, we've seen that happen. We've seen that trans transition for many, many years already and how some of the states have used their interpretation of Christianity to legislate, right? Like in, mm -hmm. in Alabama and Texas. So if anything, and, and I've been writing about this for some years now, I call it the Christian Sharia law, so which really <laughs> offends them. But basically, that's what they've been doing. Um, yeah. So let me uh, get some numbers out here. So Muslims probably make out about five to six percent of the American population. So we're a very small 
you know, population, number one. Number two, the majority of Muslims actually don't attend mosques. The major mm. majority of Muslims are actually progressive. 72% um, of American Muslims say uh, that they identify themselves as Muslim, but they don't attend mosques. They find their spiritual fulfillment outside the mosque. 69% mm -hmm. of American Muslims say the same thing. And 52% mm. uh, of American Muslims indicated that Islam should be interpreted for the 21st century. And in the context of the society yeah. that we live in and so wow. you know i don't think anyone should fear that sharia law is going to take over uh america at all if anything you know you, there's a lot of muslims like like myself we would fight tooth and nail against that happening so mm -hmm. yeah right <laughs> right know, so the law of the land <laughs> is the constitution let's put that to rest america <laughs> yeah yeah but but there's this christian nationalist movement in the united states that wants the constitution to be subservient to Christian teaching. I mean, that's yeah. a, that's a, <laughs> that's one yeah. of the things we spend a lot of time talking about and we know is, is alive and well in the world. And so, um, this conversation about the role of religion and our governments, it's not only a question that we have here in the United States, it's one that's going on all over the world. And, mm -hmm. um, and it's really important, which is why this article that, that, uh, that I saw, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago was really intriguing to me. The reason I saw it was that I have a one of those Google search alerts mm -hmm. set up for a bunch of for a bunch of words around the work that we do, right? So like vote common good and common good. So I get these little you know news roundups that'll say on the internet, here's where the word common good or vote common good has been has been used. Yeah. And this article uh, pops up about how. Christians in Malaysia, some of the Christians won an election and the opponents to these, this Christian group were saying that the Christians are wanting to Christianize Mal Malaysia. So if you vote for them, you're voting for the overturning of Islam in, yeah. in Malaysia. Very similar to, you know, sort of the, the mirror image to what people talk about in the United States. And what really struck me was the opening paragraph of this, where the, the, the Christian people in this political group say that in Malaysia, Christians are committed to the common good in yeah. this country and have no plans to proselytize and Christianize the nation. Well, the reason that struck me is that's like our, that's our that's our motto around vote common good, right? Is for Christians to care about the common good and not yeah. try to Christianize through the through the government yeah. or the government itself. So it was yeah. curious to me that so anyway, that's that that's what struck me is that there um and you can see right there in the headline, you know, uh, yeah. vote common good is what shows up. So this conversation is happening in Malaysia and then that that caused me to want to of course uh, to talk with you about about what's yeah. happening there. And so what if I read the story right, what was going on was the former prime minister was a person stirring up this anti-Christian yeah. bias in Malaysia. And it's yeah. just the mere image of our former president stirring up anti-Islamic narratives yeah. uh, in the United States. And the answer in both places was the pursuit of common good as yeah. the thing that's going to be the protection. So uh, it was just, I don't know, it's, it was a head spinning sort of, sort of article for, for me. So, so the difference between Malaysia and America, you have highlighted the similarity. The difference is that in Malaysia, um, that sort of speech is incitement to hate and it is illegal. Mm. 
you wow. actually get thrown in jail for inciting uh, um, uh, hate or um, inciting hmm. using religion and race because we've had a history of race riots in May of 1969. Oh. And so after that, the government really instituted a really strict um, censorship on language when it comes to incitement of um, distrust between races and between the religions in Malaysia. And so uh, that's the context from which we hmm. come from. And so when that ex-Prime Minister made that speech, there were actually um, se several uh, individuals and organizations that filed a police report. Wow. So imagine that happening in the United States. <sighs> It would never happen because we, our, we have no censorship of speech here in the United States, sadly. Um, even though I am an advocate for uh, you know freedom of speech, but then this freedom of speech has been so abused in the United States yeah. to the detriment of the, the benefit of the society. So that's the problem that we have right now. And um, so that's the, the one context. And then the other context too is that some years ago, there was a case where the Malaysian government at that time filed, uh, uh, filed, um, um, you know, sued uh, a church for using the word Allah in the translation of the Bible wow. into Malay. And so that's why this proselytization uh, you know, is an issue because it, that's the historical context. Okay. And so, um, and then what happened was, so they, it went to court and it went to the secular, uh, Supreme court of Malaysia and the court decided that no, the Christian organization was allowed to use the word Allah in the in translation of the Bible into Malay. And because the Malaysian government was arguing, no, this Allah is, is, is a Muslim God. So, uh, and is Malay. And so therefore it's Muslim. Yeah. You know, it's just this yeah. equation of race to religion, which is so problematic. Yes. Um, wow. And so, but they lost the case. And the thing is, you know, just for everyone listening here is the word Allah means the God. Okay. And the mm. word the God is an Arabic word. And so, and the first, mm. you know, mono, monotheism is Christianity. I mean, Judaism, Christianity, yeah. and Islam. So Christians have if anyone, if anything, the Christians have the right to use the word Allah over Muslims. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, and the Christians well, in Palestine still use it, right? So in right, Jerusalem, right. still use it. So give me a break. So the government lost that case, and they were the Christians were allowed to use the 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 word uh, Allah. And so this is the context of the proselytization because there is you know there is a history of that. Wow, that so it is a fascinating subtext for us in the United States I think to to hear that in other countries um in the last 50 years there's been a history of racial tension, race riots, racial bigotry, religion merging itself with government authorities using government power to give benefit to some religion and to oppress others. For a lot of people, they feel that that feels like an American context in American story. A lot of Americans know that story well and are less familiar with the other with the other stories. And when you're in the United States context, you know, obviously you live here in the yeah. US citizen and all and you're bilingual in in seeing these this context uh, uh, play out. 
What do you think we need to know in our in our United States context that we could learn from countries like Malaysia and and other places in the world that are that are are learning how to navigate these issues? I think it's really imperative that Americans really wake up to the the the, um, the transition of how America's become a theocracy in many ways, and this is really frightening. Um, and, and when it comes to abortion rights, when it comes to so many policy issues right now and government, the, the impetus from which these legislations are being drafted and yeah. proposed, they are really coming from a particular interpretation of Christianity. And so when that's being legislated, then we are a theocracy. And to a degree, we already are. It's just that Fortunately, there's still a lot of organizations and faith-based and progressive faith-based organizations in, in particular who are arguing in the name of religion against, against this, um, this shift to theocracy of the yeah. United States. And so abortion rights is a perf perfect example. So when you have a Jewish um, a woman and um, 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 a synagogue actually now there's a case in Florida arguing that the abortion ban is actually against their religious freedom. And so, and, and that's also yeah. an argument that I've made uh, in an op-ed with uh, an interfaith, a group of interfaith women of uh, women religious leaders that, you know, abortion rights, the way uh, the, the Supreme Court decided has really um, d uh, impeded on our, uh, our religious right to have an abortion should we choose to have one and mm -hmm. because in islam you are allowed to have an abortion and and so you know so there's um so that that's that's where we're at and i think we need to really be we, we actually we really need to fight this hard hardcore it, it's yeah. it's really um it's really yeah. frightening well and that's that's insightful because these kinds of encroachments don't happen the way people think that they would, you know, like there's not going to be a point where some president or Congress or Supreme Court's going to say this one religion is the official religion of the United States, right? That's not how it's going to happen. They're not going to be an executive no, order exactly. or a ruling or a law passed. That's not, that's not how it's going to go. It, it's going to happen in, in other ways where the basis for determinations in the United States become increasingly based on religious teaching. We, uh, in our training that we do on, on confronting Christian nationalism, one of the videos that we show is when Jeff Sessions, who was at the time the Attorney General of the United States, was announcing the Trump move to use family separation as the response to refugees coming to the United States, saying, if you come here seeking refugee status, you're going to remain in Mexico and your children are not going to go with you. And so you need to know that's how you're going to be treated. A violation of international law, human rights, all this stuff. And he started the press conference by saying, I want to begin by commending to you the Apostle Paul and Romans chapter 13. And then quotes the passage and says, laws are from God and obeying the government is what you're required to do. A pastor could stand up and say that, right? That's a religious teaching. You could have it yeah. in pastor. A guy in yeah. the street, I could say it. You could do it on a podcast, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But when the attorney general of the United States says, yeah. and therefore the law of the United States shall be thus, because this is what I want to begin with, we have now crossed the Rubicon into another space. And the Trump administration just did this repeatedly. 
Yeah. You know, Mike yeah. Pence was doing it. Mike Pompeo as the yeah. as the you know Secretary of State. Mike Flynn when he was the National Security Advisors. All the Mikes were doing it. All the other people were doing it as well. Like it. It's just it's. And then the Supreme Court does its thing. Like yeah. that's how it's going to go. It's not going to be the determination of an official religion. Yeah. Um, so it's the characteristics of a particular religion that's wow. you know that's being it, it, it translates that way not yeah. in name necessarily but the characteristics yeah okay so um in in malaysia it's a part yeah. it's a parliamentary system right and yeah. and so that's another thing that if, if people aren't familiar with the different governmental structures the united states is kind of a, a one-off in our governmental structure we vote for representatives we don't we don't do a parliamentary version of par yeah. voting yeah. for a party and seats administered we kind of talk about it like it's that way but so anyway in malaysia there's a a party that's associated with the with christianity is that is that yeah so there is a lot of okay so so malaysia is it's it's not like the united states there's only two party essentially two party system in malaysia it's a multi-party system and so in order to form a government, a, a lot of times you have to form a coalition. And so you have to form a coalition with, you know, various groups in order to have the majority of seats of 222 seats in the parliament. And so the coalition that ended up now being sworn in is uh, the coalition uh, that is very diverse. It has Malays, it has uh, uh, Christians or Chinese, it has different party systems. Now, the, the different parties represent uh, different agendas, um, mm. you know, left of center, center, etc, etc. However, there's one particular party that is DAP, which is non-religious. It's actually made out of Malays, mm. Chinese and Indians and all faiths and non-faiths. Um, so this is the, uh, th this has, this is now part of the party in Malaysia, uh, the governing, uh, the governing, the government of Malaysia. Um, so that's the positive part. Now, what is really worrying is that the, the Malays, uh, which is what I am, Muslim, is 60% of the population. The majority of the Malays have actually voted for the Islamist party. Okay, and say that so, again. Say that sentence again, because that seems, I, I want to hear that yes. number. Right. The ma majority of Muslims, the Malays, have voted for the Islamist party, which wow. is not part of the government right now, but is but shows you how the Malays have shifted to the right. Huh. So that's something that's not in the article. That's something that I, as a Malay, am a bit worried about because, um, um, yeah, that's going to be a problem <laughs> down the line. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah and it, well, so this is happening around the globe, right? Like we, again, in the United States, yeah. many of us are very familiar with our context and trying to understand like what happened over the last seven or eight years that moves things to the right the way that it did. Yeah. It's actually yeah. been going on around the world and movements to more authoritarian forms of government have been happening all around the world there's there's yeah. something more than just internal you know in internal country politics going on um do, do you do you, do you have any sense about what's up <laughs> it's easy 
it's easy to be so black and white. It's reptilian brain. It's, um, it's easier to hate than to love. It's easier. It's just easier. And I don't, it's really sad how even in the United States, I mean, you look at the results, you know, okay, the Democrats did well. I mean, the <laughs> considering, but we had to, you know, Democrats had to fight tooth and nail against crazy candidates. Yeah, you know, right, but right. and we we won by a few few thousand votes. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, it shouldn't right. be that way. It should be like slam dunk, right? Yeah, right. You and shouldn't have to spend eighty million dollars on a Senate race, right? Between yeah, yeah, over. and that's not what happened. So, um, uh, you know, we we have, and I really blame this on on, on the media and the social media a lot. Uh, I think they have a lot to be blamed, and which has fed into the tribalism mentality and the religious. And, and you know, we we co-authored that article I think a year or mm -hmm. two ago about how the Christian evangelicals have really slept with the devils, basically, and how they're mm -hmm. not calling out the uh the trumps uh, and how he's uh, he's using religion for his particular purpose and how it really trump is the antithesis of evangelical values really and so you know how they've compromised on their christian values just because for political gain that's what mm -hmm. happened and yep. that's what it, it's all about power doug right it's about power and with power comes money yeah. uh comes the status quo comes yeah, it's all about that. And so I think um, in order for us to really counter this, we, for me, it's really about education and about how we address this issue with children. And so that's the reason why I've developed, you know, various forms of, you know, inclusive Islam curriculums for children, mm -hmm. both yeah. here in the United States and in Africa. That's what I've done in the last few years. Yeah, it's, it's amazing work, by the way. And, and, and there's this, I don't know, there's a, a shift happening. 20 years ago, there was a real movement toward democratization around the world, toward more liberal ideas. Governments all over, there was a thing happening. I don't know, and now I'm thinking 15 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, there was the Arab Spring sort of was, was coming. Like There were periods of time when all over the world, the kinds of governments and what people were voting for and people that were in power were moving in certain ways that felt mm -hmm. more open <clears throat> and less authoritarian and less religiously mm -hmm. dogmatic. Yeah. Seven or eight years ago, that something began to shift. And, you know, we saw it with Brexit in the UK and Trumpism in the United States and authoritarian leaders all over the country, people building walls. Like all of a sudden yeah. in the early 2000s, all over the world, people started building border walls. And there, yeah. you know, there's something like in 1988, yeah. there were 17 border walls and now there's a hundred and something. Like the, these movements, they, they don't seem, I, I don't know, it, it doesn't feel like it's just human nature. It feels like, and I know there's no answer to this. I'm just sort of noting that it's like a title, like like title shifts that are happening. You know, tides are rising, or yeah. so, I, I don't know. There's there's something afoot, and and I don't, I'm not assigning any like special magical spiritual stuff to it. I just think there's social <laughs> movements that I don't know. They seem to move and spread in in different times and ways, and we're in one of these periods that seems very scary and authoritarian and um, dogmatic and 
Yeah, I do think though that um, there there will be another swing, right? And um, and it's the younger generation that are uh, recognizing that is taking us to the to the swing towards a more compassionate society. Yeah. Um, I do believe that you know if you look at the statistics in the United States, people don't really more and more Americans are identifying as being spiritual and not really being affiliated with any particular religion. And yeah. I think that's a good thing. <laughs> okay. I, I, I used to, Ani. Here's the thing. I used to think that was a good thing and then i've watched a lot of these insurrectionists and heard interviews with them and uh, know people who support those movements they are those kinds of people as well in other words they're not involved in any kind of a formal religion but they're christian spiritual mm. and they listen to stuff on the internet and they put it together in their own ways and they're not a part of a community and they're not sharing their life and they're not working yeah. together with some people in a local place or even they're like disparately connected grab bag spirituality mm -hmm. and they're forming like insurrectionist groups and um you know uh jesus mm -hmm. is my savior and trump is my president spirituality mm -hmm. so I, I don't know i guess like maybe it's not the organizers of religion in the united states that are the perpetrators of this stuff solely it's also just random collection so i don't know I, i'm not trying to be all you know downer on the 14th yeah, of december because yeah. you know in our tradition you're supposed to be happy this time of year by the way it's you know like you know it's advent um yeah but i don't know i used to think maybe you know the the move away from organized religion would, would <laughs> free people from the burdens of organized religion and now i'm like i don't know maybe you guys should go to Catholic churches and listen to the Pope, uh, who's telling yeah. you to be, you know, empathic and caring and, and uh, think that's about the poor. That's true too. Uh, I, I don't yeah, know. It's just, too. I, but, but yeah. you, you, you have more hope, huh? That there's, uh, I do. Uh, I have more hope just because I, I'm, I'm, yeah, you're on the field, you're on the ground. And, um, mm -hmm. I, from, from the work that I do anyway, I see, um, in the Muslim societies at the end of the day, I think the status quo for Muslims is not working. The radicalization yeah. is not working because they are, you know, all they have is violence around them and violence and oppression, and they are left behind. Um, you know, they yeah. are malnutritioned, and you know, it's just um, not not a it's not a good life for them. So, and a lot of that has come as a result of the insecurities and the lack of peace and, yeah. and the lack of peace comes from the lack of compassion. Right. And so at the end of the day, at the heart of it is compassion, love and compassion yeah. and love and compassion for each other, regardless of what, who the other is. And, um, and I think that is a long, that's a process that people, individuals, individuals mm -hmm. have to go through, um, their transformative spiritual transform transformation. And, you know, the work that we do is to help them take them through that transformation. So, you know, I get all kinds of emails from people, but like this morning today, I, you know, I get this email from a total stranger saying, um, he's a truck driver and um he his boss is asking him to transport alcohol and according to his understanding of islam he's not allowed mm -hmm. to do that and i'm saying and my response is going to be well actually it doesn't say that in the quran you, you're not prohibited from transporting wow. alcohol you're not getting drunk on it you know whether alcohol or drugs prescribed or not um what is important according to the quran is that you provide 
uh, for your family, period. And so if driving a truck is how you provide for your family, then that's that's the most important part. Mm -hmm. That's your duty. So um, so that's, you know, so people take religion in such yeah, a yeah. literal and unproductive and, you know, um, right. destructive way, really, you know, so. Yeah, well, you're, and you're onto something, you know, in most experiences, when, when I've done it and when I've watched other people uh, get sort of, a fundamentalist about certain passages. It's often not the love your neighbor and bless those who harm you that they take literally, right? It's almost like all that stuff, compassion and do to others as you'd have them do to you and care about the blessing of others and not just the blessing to yourself. That somehow becomes figurative, but yeah. some other, uh, you know, uh, teaching becomes kind of kind of literalist. And I often say to my literalist friends, I'm like, well, if you take all of it literally, maybe you'd end up in a different place than if you only get a, you know, for take the, Oh, totally, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, if you take love one another and serve, you know, serve God and care for your, your fellow human being, literally, that would be pretty good. Um, uh, so, you know, you sort of wonder sometimes if it's about literalism or just like, why are you choosing those passages? And true with the Quran as well. Um, yeah. But most people in my world, you know, they, they don't actually know the, Bible stuff. They know the teachings about it yeah. um, much more than they than they know it, it itself, and so they've been left without a lot of uh, without a lot of options and choices. Well, is that is that true right? with, with yeah yeah yes because people are just too lazy right yeah <laughs> so they're yeah. too lazy to read and study for themselves and so you know let me just turn on a lecture on YouTube and and see and and. And, and gather my education that way, and that's why you know we've we've really ramped up our social media presence with yeah. um, really debunking a lot of the traditional interpretations of Islam when it comes to apostasy and blasphemy. What is the root word that has really you know? Because if you look at the, what's going on, for example, in Nigeria, this young woman was killed because she mm -hmm. said something, and it was basically a mob that basically attacked her and killed yeah. her, a Muslim mob, because they felt that she was blaspheming uh, Islam. But even if she was, there is no reason to kill her because Prophet Muhammad never killed anyone for you know uh, for right. disrespecting or insulting or trying to kill him even right. Yeah. So. So this, it's so twisted right now. And so the, the best that we can do is to keep pumping out these uh, counter narratives and re-educating Muslims about these really fundamental uh, bastardizations mm -hmm. of Islam and how we've been we've been raised on a lot of these um, this misinterpretation. And all these misinterpretations are done in, in, intentionally yeah. to to assert a certain control over the Muslim population, right? And so mm. it's not done to liberate. It's not done out of love and compassion. Because if it's done out of love and compassion, we would not have the turmoil that we have in Muslim societies. We wouldn't, mm. we just wouldn't. Yeah. And so that when you when you look at all the evidence and you go right. to the root of the evidence, and it's it's so clear what the evidence is, and that is how Islam is being preached and taught in Islamic schools. And so that needs to change. And so, you know, I'm happy to say I'm positive because I'm happy to say that the work that we've been doing has just been, you know, scaling up and scaling up yeah. and, and uh, to the point where it's, you know, it's catching on uh, even with traditional institutions are seeking um, our input.
Uh, in you know, in the example of the work that we do. So, for example, there is a the the, this, the equivalent of the Pope, I suppose, is an Islamic institution called Al Azhar, which is Sunni out of Cairo. It's it's the oldest uh, you know functioning university, and um, and um, and so they have this publication that that they solicited and it's called Islam in Practice. And mm. I submitted, you know, our Islam in Practice and where we work with religious leaders, male religious leaders, and how they advocate for w Muslim women and girls' rights every Friday, you know, in their preaching. And how mm. that has impacted society over the seven years that we've been implementing this program. And you see the shift in society. So even within five to seven years, you can actually have a cultural influence, a positive cultural yeah. influence. Right. If you, uh, if that's how you preach, and so um, you know, there's the the preaching of hate, and there's the preaching of love and compassion. And so, what we've seen is that the in the communities that we work in, people are preferring the preaching of love and compassion, and so they've been coming to our mosques rather than their mm -hmm. local mosque. You know, so that says a lot. It sure um, does. And so, so, so this particular paper that I, you know, um, I presented, that's going to be published next year. So by a very, very traditional, um, and conservative Muslim institution. So that's why I'm hopeful because people are realizing that what they teach at these institutions have a negative impact, has had a negative impact in society. And, um, and so, um, a lot of Muslims are now claiming to be progressive. <laughs> yeah, good. You know, 15 years ago, that word was was taboo, was uh, was offensive, was an insult. You know, now you know people come, come you know, claiming to be progressive Muslims. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy about this, that transformation. This, there's an old <laughs> adage I know from the organizing world that says, you know, first when you're first on the scene, people ignore you, then they laugh mm -hmm. at you, then they fear yeah. you then they accept you. Like there's this yeah. way that it kind of goes and kind of happens and you're seeing it. There's also and, a phase know, that they fight you. And you know, yeah. so what happened, oh, what I wanted to share with you is this, is that when they were fighting me, the Malaysian government, they were basically not uh, this two prime ministers ago, who's now in jail, actually, I'm happy to say, because he's so corrupt. Um, but um, he, under his administration, he basically funded a website, a whole social media campaign against all progressive and feminist and LGBT mm. Muslims. And his, um, his mantra was progressive feminists and LGBT Muslims are more dangerous than ISIS. So that's how much fear we've instilled yes. in them by, by the work that we do and in promoting love and compassion for all. Yes, so good. And and it's true on the Christian side too. And I hear the same thing from Jewish progressive leaders. Like there's that it is around. And and I get your 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 point that most people don't want to, can't, won't investigate their own spiritual teaching and in scriptural interpretations on their own with the Quran, with the Jewish text, with the Christian gospels and writings. They 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 won't. So they're going to wait for somebody else. And curiously, if you go on YouTube or you go on the internet anywhere and you know you look up like progressive Christianity, 80% of what you're going to see is people saying negative things about it. If you just say, what does the Bible say about putting a topic? 
99% of the things you're going to see there are coming from conservatives and fundamentalists and, and things that I feel like are closer to hate mongering. I'm sure the same is true with the Quran. What does the Quran teach about alcohol mm -hmm. or something is probably not what you uh, are going to tell that truck driver. And yeah. so I don't know. It's yes, it's true that people don't want to do it on their own. They won't. Um, but it's also true that those of us who have progressive thoughts about all these ideas um, have far less content out there in the world. You know, you, you're doing great work. We're we're doing what we can, but it's yeah. a teeny amount, isn't it, compared to yeah. all the all the rest that is yeah. out there? You know, so someone can just go on YouTube and get in a string of listening to things and watching things that just send right. them down a a, ro a, a road of hole. conservatism, and yeah. you you rarely fall into a down a rabbit hole of progressivism and compassion and love and kindness, right? Like that. Well, that's the thing. I, I think the social media, uh, YouTube and whatnot can do a, 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 a really good service to humanity if they would, uh, instead of, um, you know, putting, stringing along, you know, the same sort of messaging into that yeah. rabbit hole. Um, also here, you know, randomly you know pop up different alternative points of view and uh, i mean that in itself would really help but in order for us to do that we actually have to pay right you have to pay youtube to do that you have to pay facebook to do that That's right. and it's just despicable on their part as far as i'm concerned yeah. um and I think that's something that uh, I think we as progressives can do is to maybe mobilize, strategize and mobilize on how do we get our messaging out and meet with these people like this is their responsibility. They can't keep you know trying to charge us for that. I mean, we used to on Facebook when we first started out, 50, you know, like I think we registered with Facebook about 10 years ago. When we did a post, our posts would reach 15,000, 25,000 easily, yeah. right? Now, 500, 700, yeah, if we're, yeah, if we're lucky. Yeah. But yeah. these, but the thing is, we have 12,000 subscribers, and even our own 12,000 subscribers are Don't not see seeing our posts, yes. right? Yeah. Yep. So, and then they have the audacity to message and say, oh, get your posts more visible by advertising. Sponsor, like, sponsor and boost your post, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and yeah, I, I, I hear you, um, it's true. And conservatives on all sides, Go ahead. They go ahead and do that. They, they, they boost them. They pay them. They're producing it. They're generating stuff. It's an incredible amount of stuff yeah. being produced. I mean, if you just think about all the all the conservative outlets, we could start naming them, right? Yeah. OAN and Fox News and yeah. One America, and like just go on and on. And then you're like, yeah. and the progressives on the other side, you know, and then not even taking in talk radio and all that. And then there's like, okay, well, there's NPR. Uh, yep. Maybe there's MSNBC. Yeah. Uh, there's maybe the New York Times. Now, now you get into journalism, right? Yeah. And it's just yeah. all journalists. And you're like, I don't know. There's something that. Um, so we, we have to make sure there's enough content out there as well, I guess, is what I'm. Yeah. And so the thing that the thing that the conservatives the thing that conservatives are really good at is that they're really good at dumbing it down. Yep. And so that's what we've been doing is we've basically taken stuff for, in the, the, for the last 10 years or so. That's what we've been doing, just dumbing it yep. down. That's it. Yep. 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 Third, third grade reading level stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because, that's right. and, and because it actually, that actually works for me too. Like I, you know, I don't know where my reading level is. It's probably, it's above ninth grade, I think, you know, I have a master's degree. So sure. maybe I could be a 12th grade reading level. I don't know how that works. <laughs> but, um, 
the messages that are like produced at a third grade reading level and are kind of interesting yeah. and you know a TikTok video and a Snapchat yeah. like that stuff's just a little more interesting and yeah. it's easy for a lot of us progressive types to feel like we're above all that you know we're not gonna yeah, yeah that's but, the but thing what's the funny is if you, listen to, if you listen to conservatives talk on their stuff yeah. They're saying yeah. just the opposite. They're saying, oh, the liberals are running the game. The liberals are doing this. They're controlling all of it. The media is controlling it all. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it's really, it's funny that that's the same narrative um, uh, over there. But I think they, I think they um, protest too much. I think yeah. Well, Ani, thank you. For, thank you as always for all of your good work. Hope people go to Muslims for Progressive Values. Um, Dot, dot org and dot com right you can get there both ways anyway dot, dot, no just dot org that's org. Uh, google muslims for progressive values it'll get you into all the spaces for for all of those things and if you didn't even know there was such an organization as muslims for progressive values th there is and it's 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 uh, doing work all over the and world it's and it's really growing <laughs> and there's and a lot of want, us out there yeah <laughs> and you should you should help fund it and make it possible because it needs thank to you. exist in the world and it's a really good thing so Ani, thank you so much and thanks for taking time with us today absolutely thank you doug bye everyone. Bye, everyone.